0: Notice with me Mark chapter 5, and I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and I'd like to encourage you to follow with me, beginning at verse 25. Mark chapter 5, beginning at verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had. "'and was no better, but rather grew worse. "'She had heard the reports about Jesus "'and came up behind him in the crowd "'and touched his garment. "'For she said, if I touch even his garments, "'I will be made well. "'And immediately the flow of blood dried up, "'and she felt in her body "'that she was healed of her disease.' knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Verse 34, and he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. We're going to start a new series. I feel this is the way we're going to go. And I believe the Lord wants me to talk about miracles that we need to believe in miracles. We need to understand we're living in the day of the miraculous. And so this message is entitled, The Anatomy of a Miracle. Now, we just read this account of the woman with the issue of blood. Why is this story in the Bible? Is it just to give us the history of Jesus's life? Well, the Apostle John said that if everything Jesus did was written down, the world itself could not contain the books that would be written in John 21, verse 25. So obviously the gospel writers did not include everything that Jesus did. They left some things out. So again, why was this testimony included? Just to fill in the blank spaces in your Bible? Or just to give us some interesting bedtime reading? No. This account is intended to show you and me how to receive from God. See, it's not enough to know that God can work miracles. Even some sinners know that. How can you receive? what you need from God. So this this story is more than a word of encouragement. It is a step-by-step lesson that instructs you how to be healed. So the woman in this narration was a real person, just like you and me, and she had real problems She evidently had, you'll pardon me, she evidently had a malfunction in her female organs, resulting in a constant discharge. She couldn't stop bleeding. And this had been going on for 12 years. Think about it. Where were you 12 years ago? That would be like 2009. Amen. You know, I don't want to say that, but think about, you know, you may have problems every now and then. Think about having 12 years of the same problem. Amen. Praise the Lord. And during this time, she sought treatment from many doctors. They had doctors in those days. The Bible says Luke was a physician, and the Bible does not disparage her from going to seek medical treatment doesn't 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 belittle her or, or in any way uh, uh, ridicule her, but it, the doctors could not help her. And instead of seeing some improvement, her case is getting worse. So that means for you and me, I don't care even if you've gotten a bad report from the leading physicians in your hometown or wherever you live i've got good news for you today there is a healer in the house and his name is jesus and if you'll start to believe that and act like it's true he'll work for you amen praise the lord she not only suffered from a life-threatening condition a chronic condition but she's now poverty stricken because of her enormous medical bills so they not only had doctors they had medical bills too (laughs) And there's no mention in this story of a husband, which is interesting because usually when we read about an individual case like this about a woman, it often mentions, you know, her husband, or she was a widow. It doesn't say she was a widow, and there's no mention of her family. Evidently, I mean, I don't know, but evidently she's alone in this world and without a penny to her name. But, this is a big but, But someone told her about Jesus. We don't know who it was. The Bible doesn't tell us. But her miracle began when someone shared with her the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, there are people all around us who are hurting. Some of them, especially in this hour, some of them are facing daunting circumstances Enormous problems in their life. And God doesn't want us, my friends, Spirit of Faith people, God doesn't want us just to uh, soak up the blessings and bask in His presence. He wants us to take that blessing to a hurting and a dying world. Amen. Hallelujah. People need more than human sympathy, they need the power. Of the living Christ. They need more than horlicks and flowers. Huh? Come on. You, you call yourself a believer and you go to visit someone who's sick and all you can present is a hallmark greeting card? Oh, I'm ashamed to say I know you. Why don't you open your mouth boldly and courteously and tell them there is a healer. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Well, I'm too nervous to say that. Well, come down here and I'll kick you in the seat of pants. Grow a backbone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. She heard about Jesus. But what exactly did she hear? What exactly... Did she hear about Jesus? Did she hear that he had died on the cross and rose again the third day? No, because that hadn't happened yet. So what did she hear? She heard that Jesus was healing the sick and curing those who were afflicted. That's what she heard. When Jesus entered the synagogue in Nazareth, It says he read from the book of the prophet Isaiah. He read from the same book of Isaiah that's in your Bible. And Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19 records what he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to do what? To proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me, by the way, if you're anointed, you're sent. He has sent me to proclaim, that means preach, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, he uses the word liberty twice, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim. Notice this is the third time he's used the word proclaim, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he sat down. And in verse 21, he told those people, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. And every eye in the place was on him. They didn't all stand up and applaud or shout hallelujah. They just glared at him. Because what he was saying was this verse, this passage in Isaiah, he said, That's talking about me. That's talking about me. I'm anointed. With the Holy Ghost to preach the good news and to heal the afflicted. In other words, Luke chapter 4, verse 18, is his mission statement. You know, sometimes you go to a business, um, even like a hotel or or some other business, and very often maybe in the lobby or in in the front office, there'll be their mission statement or on their literature, on their website. You know, you'll see, read their mission statement. What is our purpose? This is Jesus's mission statement. This is his purpose in the earth, his earthly ministry, to preach the gospel and heal the sick. Several years later, Several years after this, Peter was invited to preach to a man named Cornelius. Cornelius was not a Jew. He's a Roman, and he doesn't know anything about the Bible at all. He knows zero about the Bible. So Peter began his message in Acts 10.38. He first said, you've heard about what happened beginning in Galilee. And then in Acts 10.38, he said this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about, he went about doing good, that means this is good now, and healing. Healing is good. Went about doing good and healing a few, no, all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Isn't it interesting? Again, Cornelius, this man doesn't know Zip. About the things of God. He knows zero. And Peter did not begin his sermon with the Christmas story. A long time ago in Bethlehem. He didn't didn't even talk, talk about it. Nor did he jump to the cross and the resurrection, but he began his sermon with the earthly ministry of Christ. And Cornelius isn't sick. There's nothing in Acts 10 that indicates Cornelius is sick or his family either. And yet Peter begins by saying Jesus was anointed with the Holy Ghost to heal the sick. Why? Because healing is not a peripheral issue. It's not a side issue. It's not a footnote on the page. Healing was part and parcel, an integral part of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. You cannot separate Jesus from his healing ministry. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Now notice, Peter referred to those who were oppressed by the devil. Not possessed, but oppressed by the devil. Isaiah calls them captives. Sickness is a prison. Sickness is a prison. Sickness is devil abuse, being abused by the enemy. But I want you to know today, the power of Christ, the anointing of the Spirit of God, can bust your chains and break down your prison cell door and set you free. Jesus said, that's why God sent me here. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. Now, in the 1950s, Brother Hagen said this, that uh, he was praying and the Lord Jesus appeared to him and spoke with him for quite some time. And I thought this was interesting. He said, now you don't have to accept this, but, but I, I believe it to be true. He said, Jesus told me that message I preached in Nazareth. That wasn't the only time I preached that sermon. He said, everywhere I traveled to, that was the first message I preached. That's interesting. Jesus told him, Brother Hagin, everywhere I went, because he traveled all about Galilee and into Judea, everywhere I went, that was the first message I preached. And there is a slight hint of that. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it says, as was his custom or his habit, The thing he normally did, as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. That kind of suggests, well, maybe that is true. Maybe this is what he always did. He would go to the synagogue, and he would read this verse of Scripture. And then Jesus told Brother Hagin, I think, and you can see it from the Bible, I'll show you in a moment, but he said this. He told Brother Hagin, Those who believed the message I preached and received that anointing, were healed. And those who rejected it were not. He said, he said the Lord told him, those, those people in my earthly ministry, he said, those who believed the message I preached and received the anointing were healed. Those who rejected it, those who did not receive it, were not healed. Now, see, some people, you know, they think, some Christians assume that, gee, everybody was healed by Jesus. Wherever he went, everyone was healed, but that's not true. Because we just read about Nazareth. In that place, the people were so angry at him that they pushed him out of town and tried to kill him. So in his own hometown of Nazareth, where he grew up, No one was healed, except for a few minor cases. We know that from reading Mark chapter 6. Why is that? Well, it wasn't God's will for those people to be healed. Then why did Jesus even go there? Why bother going there? No, here's why. Let me read to you this time from Matthew chapter 13, verse 58. It's talking about the same experience in Nazareth. And he, Jesus, he did not do many mighty works there. Why? Because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief. Why do we not see many mighty works in some places today? Because of their unbelief. Why do we not see mighty works in our own lives? Because of our unbelief. Amen. And notice carefully... It was their unbelief, and and the Greek word is plural here, their unbelief. In other words, it wasn't just the unbelief of those who were sick. The entire congregation was at fault. The entire congregation was at fault. And if unbelief in that congregation, in that place, stopped the flow of the healing anointing, It will have the same effect today. So here's something that will be a revelation for many Christians. Every Christian present in a church service, every one of you, has something to do with the release of Christ's power. Every Christian present in a church gathering, in an assembly, in his name, has something to do with the release of Christ's power or the flow of the anointing. And your doubt will hinder others from being healed. So in other words, maybe you're fine, you don't have anything wrong with you physically, and here's Brother Zama Zama being prayed for, here's Sister Duhiki being prayed for, and your doubt will actually stop the flow of the anointing because that means you're not just a spectator. If you're going to be a doubter, leave. Please do everybody a favor and don't come back until you get it straight because you're hindering God from working. We don't want this place to become the synagogue in Nazareth. And don't think you can't hide. We'll ferret you out. We'll find you out, and we'll escort you. The ushers will escort you to the gate. I'd rather have a drug dealer than a doubt peddler in this church. I don't want a drug dealer. My wife's looking at me. <laughs> I'm going to hear about this on the way home. Obviously, I don't want a drug dealer. That's bad. If somebody was dealing drugs, we would say, oh, we got to, no, 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 we got to deal with this. We don't ignore this. But there's some people who are peddling doubt freely. One little doubt. There's a little doubt. Let me call you up, give you some doubt. Let me post a little doubt on my Facebook page. No, 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 get out. Get out. You you, you doubt dealer, get out. Why? Because you're hindering other people from being healed. Come on. Come on. Just slap yourself on the back or stand up straight and say amen, but do something. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Go, let's go to another verse. Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 and 36. Hey. Don't get angry with me. I didn't write the Bible. So if you're angry at what I just said, go talk to Jesus. And if he tells you, no, Pastor John is wrong, I love doubt, then let me know. Because you weren't talking to Jesus, you're talking to the devil. (laughs) It's true. Matthew chapter 14, verse 35 and 36. And when the men of that place, or the people of that place, recognized him, recognized Jesus, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. So what a contrast. In one place, we just read, almost no one was healed. Basically, no one was healed. And in another place, everyone who was sick within that whole area That whole district was healed. Why is that? Is it because Jesus was more anointed in Gennesaret than he was in Nazareth? You know, in Nazareth, he's kind of having a bad day. He didn't really pray on Saturday night like he should have. He he was watching a Hindi film, and he should have been. No, 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 no. It has nothing to do with it. What's the difference? In one place, the people accepted him, and in another place, they didn't, just like he told Brother Hagin. I'll give you another example. Later on, Jesus sent 70 or maybe 72 of his disciples on an evangelistic outreach, and before they departed, he gave them instructions. He said in Luke chapter 10, verse 8 and 9, New King James Version, it says, Jesus said, whatever city you enter and they receive you, meaning the people in that city, whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And notice verse 9, and, so he's not finished talking, and heal the sick. See, a lot of Christians know that first part. Okay, we're on a missions trip, so whatever they give us, we have to eat it, because Jesus said, eat what is set before you. They didn't say anything before me. Well, praise the Lord. No, no. He didn't just say, eat what is provided for you. He said, and heal the sick. Praise the Lord. So if you want to know how to have a missions trip, if you want to know how to have an outreach, it must include healing. because healing is part and parcel of Jesus's earthly ministry. So notice carefully, Jesus said to them, if they receive you, heal the sick. Did you see that? Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat and heal the sick. What if they don't receive you? Verse 11 says, they were to wipe the dust of that city off their feet. Why? I mean, it's probably a good idea to wipe your feet wherever you go. No, no. What it means is symbolically, they're saying, we don't want to have anything to do with you. You're on your own now. We don't even want the dirt from your road to be on the bottom of our shoe. We don't want no part with you. That's what that means. So that's pretty serious, isn't it? Hallelujah. So the point is, Even when the disciples ministered healing, it was only for those who received them. Are you listening to me? Amen. Now, Jesus is the healer and not man. But Jesus said in John chapter 13 and verse 20, Whoever receives the one I send receives me. Whoever, Jesus said, whoever receives the person I send, that's tantamount to receiving me. Well, the the, the opposite is true. If you don't receive the one I send to you, that's the same as not receiving me. So a lot of Christians, they would say, oh, you know, Ah, oh I would never reject the Lord. Oh no, no, no. No, no. I mean I would not, would never turn the Lord. Oh no, 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 banish the thought. Oh no, no, A thousand times no. But they would every day reject people that God sends into their life. Not just people that show up, but the people that God sends into their life. Amen. Several years ago, I had the opportunity to minister in Eastern Europe. Uh, in the country of Hungary, with a pastor friend of mine, and it was a wonderful experience. I really was so glad. And and we drove. One day we drove to a remote village. Actually, my pastor friend drove. I, I didn't drive. I just sat there in, in the car. But he drove us to a village that was inhabited by Gypsies. I don't mean the vehicle that you have, you know, in your compound. I'm talking about the actual ethnic Gypsies, the real thing. You see. And you may not know this, but uh, gypsies occupy the lowest place in society in Eastern Europe. Like in Hungary and Romania, they have the lowest place, you see. They are looked down upon. They have a bad reputation. Now, Now, I didn't say this, but I'm just saying that's what people think. They have a bad reputation of being dishonest, right? If something is stolen... You know, the gypsy took it. That's, that's, what, that's what everybody thinks. In fact, while we were having the meeting, I asked my pastor friend, can we have like a table or something? Because there was nothing there, no no pulpit. No, and it'd be nice to put my Bible down somewhere. Can, is there a table or something? And they said, oh, we'll go get a table. And they came back with like a table. And we were all looking at each other like, where did they get it? And, and Joel said, that, you know, they went in one house and stole it. That's what they did. <laughs> we were just having fun. But these simple folks were wide open to God's word. I said they were wide open. They were attentive, they were eager, and they were receptive. You could feel it. You could tell it. You you would have thought that I was I was going to say, now everybody come here, I'm going to all give you one lakh rupees. That's that's how you would look if you were eager. (laughs) Hurry up and give it to me. And when I asked the sick to come forward, they moved to the front without hesitation. Once again, unlike some other places where people kind of look left and right. If, you're, if you need healing, raise your hand. Am I the only one? Because I need to look pretty. No, you need to be healed. Get rid of your pride. <laughs> Who cares? Amen. Hallelujah. And the power of God flowed in that place. And I didn't feel like super-duper anointed that day. You know, I I felt pretty much, you know, okay, good and everything, but nothing special. But, I mean, everybody, I mean, practically everybody, I touched, they hit the floor like somebody knocked them in the head with a cricket bat. I mean, it was wonderful. It was glorious. Woo! It was like Gennesaret. Then, I preach in other places where everybody looked like a photograph. I felt like the sign should say, welcome to the museum. (laughs) Don't say anything, huh? Where many people did not even look remotely interested in what was going on. Half the people looked angry. The other half looked bored. Like, did your mother force you to come this morning? What's your problem? And most of the people, I'm talking about some places I've been to, most of the people were too busy mentally criticizing me to to, to hear what I was saying. I don't like that shirt. This isn't Hawaii. Where did he get that shirt? I mean, who cares about my shirt? (laughs) What does that got to do with you being healed? Huh? And not surprisingly, mm, nothing happened. And I'll just go a little further, and I've told the Lord, Lord, please forgive me, but I'm never going to preach in places like that again. Find someone else. I'm not interested. And that's why I don't accept a lot of invitations. Some places, especially like in this part of the world, they just, well, maybe not so much today, it, it, the novelty's worn off, you know. But especially in times past, they just want to see my white face. I'll send a photograph. There you go. Laughter <laughs> Uh I I, I feel like in some places I've been you know you need to be kind to people and and understand their problems but in some places I've been I felt like as we were leaving I felt like telling the driver please stop the vehicle let me wipe the dust of this city off my feet thank you now let's go on why? because they didn't receive me they didn't receive the word and they didn't receive their healing are you listening to me? it's true So the thing you've got to be asking yourself is, and I know that you that are here, it's a little different, but how receptive are you? How receptive are you? Hmm? If we're passing out miracles, if Jesus is passing out miracles today, do you sit bashfully and watch your miracle pass you by? Or are you going to be like blind Bartimaeus who cries out and says, have mercy on me. And when others tell you to be quiet, you say, no, I'm not going to be quiet. I'm going to shout even louder. If you're shy, you die. You better find your voice. Jesus was not ashamed to die for you hanging naked on a cross. Why are you ashamed to even receive healing from him? What's wrong with you? Come on. That's poison from the enemy. Don't think like that. Luke chapter 6, verse 19. And all the crowd sought to touch him, for power came out from him, and healed them all. There is a healing anointing. I said there's a healing anointing. Not just an anointing to preach, or not even an anointing to testify, or to maybe lead others in worship, which is good, very important. And not only an anointing to lead and, and to serve in various ways, and that is very important, but there's an anointing to minister healing to the sick. And when the sick came in contact with Jesus, then that anointing flowed. When they came in contact with him, that's why they wanted to touch him, because it requires contact. That's also why the woman with the issue of blood said in Mark 5, 28, if I touch even his garments... I will be made well. She wanted to touch him. She wanted to touch him. Now, let's go back to our story. If you examine the account of the woman with the issue of blood, you will notice she did four things, at least four things. First, after she heard the report about Jesus, the first thing she did, the first thing the Bible tells us she did, she said something. The first thing, she said something. You see, going back to that story, verse 28, for she said, if I may but touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She said in verse 28, before she did verse 27, She didn't press through the crowd and touch Jesus and then say, if I touch him, I'll be healed. She first said it. The reason she touched him is because she had said it. Are you listening to me? So if you want to receive a miracle from the Lord, make sure you say the right thing. I say, make sure you say, you can talk yourself out of a miracle. The Lord may be right there, with his power and his presence ready to heal you, ready to provide, but you can talk yourself right out of the answer. And I think many Christians do that. I think we've all done that. So put a guard on your lips. Come on, especially when you're in a critical situation, be very careful what you say because death and life are in the power of the tongue. Hmm? Most Christians that we know All they say is, pray for me. But notice there's no faith in that statement. That's okay, but there's no faith there. Pray for me. That's not enough. She said, if I touch him, I will be made well. Hmm? Praise the Lord. The Williams translation says this. For she kept saying, she kept saying, she didn't just say it once. If I touch him, I'll be healed. And then that's it. (laughs) She was continually saying this over and over again. I mean, maybe people asked her, where are you going? I'm going to go to Jesus, and if I touch him, I'll be made well. You know, maybe, maybe, you know, friends said, what's going on? If I'm going to go touch Jesus, if I touch him, I will be made well. The Matthew chapter 9, verse 21, which is the same story just from Matthew's gospel, says this, Matthew 9 21, for she said to herself, she not only said it with her mouth, she said it in her heart. She didn't just pretend to make a confession of faith while the other church members were nearby. I believe God. Oh, yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. He's my healer. And then when they're not around, I'm going to die. I know I'm going to die. Amen. If someone has to compel you to say something, it probably won't work. Her pastor didn't say to the woman, say, if I touch him, if I touch him, I will be made whole. I will be made whole. No, no one one forced her. She didn't attend a faith seminar and they talked about the power of your word. She didn't read three books on the subject. She heard the report and first thing out of her mouth, if I touch him, I'll be healed. See, there's a spontaneity to real faith. It's really not what you say in this service that impresses God. It's what you say in the car on the way home. Come on to the church, you nod your head, amen, on the way home. What did you think of that message? I didn't like it. Well, you know, you're not going to get anything. <laughs> amen. Hallelujah. So she said it. Number two, are you still here today? Still here? Don't change that channel. Secondly, she took action. She took action. She did something. Now, see, some people talk a good talk, but they don't walk a good walk. Now, uh, I don't, I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but Pastor Jeppy is not a big talker, but she's a big doer. She's she's not very conversant. She never she will never talk your ear off, which is a good thing, man. But she 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 does. She's a doer. She's a woman of action. She does things. Look at this church, everything. That's because I'm married to a, a woman who's a doer. You single guys, we could preach another sermon right now. Could we preach another sermon right now? Could we? Could we? Could we? Don't just marry some pretty little thing that doesn't do nothing but eat chocolates and watch TV all day. Marry a woman who doesn't mind getting her hands dirty, doesn't mind going to work, doesn't mind getting busy for God. That's the kind of woman you need to marry. Well, a lot of men are saying amen. And the women are looking at their feet. No, I'm, tell- I'm saying you, you, better, you better get with it. Hmm. Okay, move on. Even in her weakened condition, she pushed through that crowd. In other words, she was determined. She was determined. When she walked up to the crowd... Moses did not strike it with the rod and the crowds parted like the Red Sea and there's this wide boulevard for her to walk down. She had to push her way. She had to elbow her way through that crowd. Many people are not healed simply because they do not put forth enough effort. I said many people are not healed simply because they don't put forth any effort or not enough effort. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The smallest obstacle blocks them. Years ago, we advertised in the newspaper that we're having a miracle meeting with a special guest. Miracle meeting. And someone called me on the phone in the church office and said, Hello, are you having a miracle meeting tonight? I said, Yes, are you coming? And the person said, No, not tonight. I have a headache. (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, if, if God can't heal your headache, don't ever bother coming because he's, he's not a big enough God for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, you have to put forth some effort. You know, well, I might have to walk a couple of blocks. Ooh, let me get my violin. That's a sad story. That's a sad story. gonna break my heart. I, I felt a drop. Oh, let's go back. Let's go back. Amen. This woman could have had lots of excuses, which a lot of people would consider legitimate excuses. She could have said, I'm too frail to be jostling in a crowd. And and you know, there's something to that. I mean, she's in a weakened condition, right? Have you ever just donated blood? Forgive me. I'm not trying to be too, too, you know, uh, technical, but have you ever donated blood? You know, when you get through, the nurse says, no, 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 stay there. Because when you get up, you feel a little lightheaded. Well, how about donating blood for 12 years? <laughs> you feel real weak, huh? Besides that, she could have said, according to the law, according to Leviticus, I'm considered to be unclean. That's actually what the law says. So I'm not even supposed to be in public, much less right there and, and, and then go to touch Jesus. They might, those people, those fanatical Jews might stone me to death. Huh? Besides that. If it was God's will for me to be healed, I wouldn't have to chase Jesus down. he turned and walked right toward me with a big grin on his face and point his finger and say, somebody's going to be healed. <laughs> but he didn't. She had to push her way through. Amen. Unfavorable conditions did not detour her, did not stop her. Some people I don't know what they're waiting for. I think they're waiting for this picture-perfect moment. When the sun is golden, the sky is azure blue, the birds are singing, and all the children are dancing. What are you waiting for, poop, That ain't ever going to happen. In the dirty, rotten here and now, you got to press through the crowd to get a hold of Jesus. That's how you receive your miracle. Amen. Notice this. Jesus did not pray for this woman. Jesus did not lay hands on this woman. Jesus did not even talk to this woman until after she was healed. Some people don't want healing, they want attention. They just want to feel special. Everybody should feel special. Some people, they just want the pastor to come to their house and pray all afternoon long. Hmm? And they'll get angry. If the church sends or the pastor sends the associate, I don't want you, I want Brother John, what are you doing here? And God help us all if the pastor sends another church member instead. They get angry. Well, I've been in this church all these years, and I put so much money in the church, and Pastor John won't even come to my house, and you know oh, I just don't understand. I'm never going to go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The devil says, "Amen, amen, amen." Stay sick, dummy. The Roman centurion in Matthew chapter eight, verse eight, said this to Jesus: "Lord, you don't need to come to my house. You don't have to come to my house." This man was not just, you know, some, some little pipsqueak. He's a, a Roman centurion. He's a man of authority. He said, Lord, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word only. Just speak the word. My servant will be healed. And what did Jesus say? He didn't say, no, that's a bit extreme. No, no. He said, that's the greatest faith that I have found in this entire country. And this man had never been to Spirit of Faith Bible School. This man had never attended our church services. And he has more faith than, I I I don't want to say it. 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 Put that in your pipe and smoke it, darling. You know what I mean? Think about that. Now, this woman did not tackle Jesus and lay on top of him or something like that. She did not grab hold of his ankles and say, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. And she didn't even touch his person. She didn't like somehow grab his hand and like. <laughs> <laughs> she, she touched only his garment. And, and, and it seems like she touched maybe like the very fringe of his robe. Not like maybe the front pocket, way down here somewhere. Touched his socks. He wasn't wearing socks. But one touch was enough. I said one touch was enough to reverse 12 years of despair. One touch from Jesus. Think about this. It's all you need. You don't need to see an angel. You don't need to be transported to the third heaven to hear words that it's not lawful for a man to speak. You don't need that. You don't need Moses and Elijah to appear next to you. One touch, one touch of Jesus. It's all you need. Woo. At that moment, Jesus perceived that power had gone out from him. He wasn't even aware that the woman was present. He didn't even know she was there. That's why he said, Who touched me? He didn't say, I know who that is. That's the woman with the of blood. I was waiting for you. No, 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 no. He had to say, who touched me? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yet, even though he didn't know she was there, that anointing flowed right into her. Whew. Glory to God. And she didn't have to tell Jesus. She didn't swing him around and say, hear my story. Hear me out. Hear me out. I was born in 1963. No, no, she, she didn't, she didn't, some people want to, they're maniacal. They want to tell you all the details of their medical condition. It started here, then it moved here, now it's down here, <laughs> it's up here, and I went to this doctor, and I went to that doctor, and I, I spent five thousand rupees one day. You, she didn't say it right here. Can you put your hand right... No, no, no. Right there, yeah, yeah, right there. She just grabbed hold of him and the power went right into her. Amen. It's not necessary to tell others every little detail about your medical condition. I'm talking about prayer and faith right now. They don't, they don't necessarily need to hear all that. Amen. Glory to God. And she felt in her body that she was healed. Now, here's an important point. Listen carefully. She felt in her body physically, that she was healed. It doesn't say she felt the power of God. It does not say that. Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't, because that's not included in this story. See, some Christians, they want to feel power. They want to feel a tingle. Ooh, ooh. Oh, look, I feel a tingle. They want to feel some kind of warmth. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is not a feeling that you may or may not have when power is administered to you. The important thing is what the power produces, and that's healing. Are you listening to me? Some people feel all kinds of things when they're ministered to, and yet they don't recover. They don't get any better. Some people at the moment don't feel anything in particular. They're like, what? That's it. That's it. They'll sit down and get back in the line thinking, let's try a double dip. (laughs) But you don't have to feel even God's power to be healed. The bubble didn't say, as soon as she touched him, Jesus was aware that power flowed out of him. And she said, I feel it. I feel good. No, she didn't say anything. Nothing like that. The the ushers didn't gingerly catch her. She fell down to the carpet. Don't forget the green cloth. No, no. (laughs) We don't know what she felt. Then Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, Everybody's touching you. This woman was not the only person who touched Jesus that day. A lot of people touched him. But this woman, in that particular place, at that particular time, this woman was the only one healed. We would have to add to the Bible to say, And three other women were also healed. That, that's not in the story. There's a, it says there was a large crowd, a multitude being in that place. Well, I don't think 12 people is a large crowd. Now Some pastors do. But I don't consider, you know, uh, 10 people to be a large crowd, even 20 people to be a large crowd. I don't know how many people were there. There could have been hundreds. Maybe there were thousands. I, don't, I have no idea. But I don't think you can get 100 people or 1,000 people together or maybe more than that, and there's not more than just one person sick. I think there were probably lots of people who were ill in that place, and yet this woman was the only one who was healed. Are you listening to me? Now some people touched Jesus by accident. They just bumped into him, but nobody was healed because they accidentally stepped on Jesus' foot. Oh, sorry. Oh, I'm healed. No no, no one was ever, no one, we, we don't have a record of that in the Bible. Now, maybe that's kind of a fantasy you have, but there's no record of anybody being healed by accident in the the Gospels. Some people touch Jesus hoping for a miracle. (laughs) I hope this works. I'm going to try it. And they went home disappointed. Some people touch Jesus out of curiosity. Let's see what happens. Here he comes what happened? I got a handful of rope. (laughs) Nothing happened. But when she touched, the anointing, the healing power of Christ was released and flowed right into her. So here's the question. Why was she healed when so many others were not? Why was she healed when others were not? Was it just God's will to heal that woman and nobody else? No. Jesus answers that question for us in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Daughter, I like the fact that he calls her daughter. He didn't say, wrinkly old woman. (laughs) You old scag, nasty woman. He <laughs> said, daughter, a term of endearment. Your faith has made you well. Why didn't Jesus say, my power has made you well? See, if I was Jesus, I think that's what I would have said. My power has made you well. Power did flow out from him. We just read it. But here's, here's an important point. Faith activates The anointing. Faith activates the anointing. That anointing on Jesus was just as strong in Nazareth as it was in Gennesaret. That anointing was there just as strong when he was in that crowd as he was anywhere. But nothing happened until somebody believed. The anointing of God, the Holy Spirit power is released when we believe. It responds, the the power responds to faith. Amen? So many Christians are searching for a man of God who has more power. And God is searching for a man who has more faith. Think I'll go to this country. Uh, I'll travel this part, this this halfway around the world. Because this guy, I'm telling you, I saw on YouTube. uh, Listen, if you there's enough power in the air right now to heal everybody here a hundred times, if you'll just open your heart and have the same kind of faith that that woman had. Hallelujah. Many touches, but Jesus only recognized the touch of faith. Many prayers but Jesus only hears the prayer of faith. Many works, but Jesus only sees the work of faith. Faith is being confident that what you hope for is going to happen. That's why she said, I will be made well. She was confident enough to say something and do something. If your faith does not move you, it will never move God. If your faith isn't strong enough to move your mouth, it'll never move a mountain. Amen. Amen. You can't just sit there like a rock. You have to respond to the word of God. That's true. Hallelujah. I'm almost done. The woman, verse 33 the woman knowing what had happened to her knelt before jesus and she this is the last point she shared her testimony now that she's healed she's sharing her testimony she didn't say uh well let me go home, and the doctors can uh, run a battery of tests, and if, it all, if it's all negative and, and all the symptoms are gone, everything, then I'll write Jesus a little letter and say, "Hey, I was there that day and I'm healed. now. No, right then and there. He said, "Who touched me?" And she could have run home. She could have hid, hid, hidden herself, but she came forward and she told him her story. Now she's telling this story, but it's a testimony. It's not a prayer request, it's a testimony. Whew. Whew. Hallelujah. Why? Because it's important to testify for the Lord, to let others know what God has done for us. Amen? It inspires them and it strengthens their faith. This story with the woman with issue of blood is embedded in another story because Jesus is going to Jairus's house because his daughter's sick too. His little girl is on her deathbed and suddenly this woman comes in the scene and interrupts the whole thing. Maybe Jairus was thinking, oh, no, we're in a hurry. God, why did you allow this to happen? And and, and then while the lady is talking, and, you know, some ladies can talk. And while the lady is talking, she, the anointing is on her. Boy, I mean, she's probably preaching a sermon right now. Messengers came and told Jairus, your daughter's dead. Too late. Jairus could have become angry. Why did God allow this to happen? Well, Jairus, God allowed this to happen to inspire you and strengthen your faith on the way to your house he worked another miracle in someone else's life so that you could say wait a minute, wait a minute if God healed that woman I know he's going to heal my girl too and even if she's dead he'll raise her back up again hallelujah, your testimony should not be something that you conceal and sit on because other people need to hear it so that they can also have the strength and the courage to press through the crowd and touch. Jesus as well somebody shout amen hallelujah we not only receive healing by faith but we hold on to it by faith and your testimony will strengthen your faith so in this story we see a desperate condition and a good report a bold confession and a determined action a miraculous healing and a confident testimony. And if we today will do what she did then, we will get the same results even now. That's why this is in the Bible. Would you stand with me to your feet today?